Renee! Renee was Picard's nephew. He died in that fire with Picard's brother, Robert. That that sounds tragic. Well, even more tragic was that it was tell-not-show in Generations. <laughs> did you want to see it, you sick bastard? I did! Burn, Renee. Burn. <laughs> Picard's loser, brother. Loser. There is something I'd like to see. The gallant captain out of control. I've always thought you needed a little humiliation. Or was it humility? Either would do. Star Trek, our favorite frontier. are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. And we are here with another, I don't know, I don't know, we'll call it 20, 30 minutes. Uh, it gives you something to uh, to do with your time while you're sitting at home staring at the wall. <laughs> right, because we're here with you as you're sheltering in place during uh, COVID-19 2020. Very exciting. <laughs> we, have to, we have to throw that 2020 on there because you never know, we could do this all over again in 2021. You that's never true, know, that's Paul. True. You never oh, know. God, let's hope not. But hey, I've got some exciting news for you, Paul. Oh. Exciting news. You know, uh, they've been announcing who all's going to be at Star Trek Las Vegas this year. You know, if there is, in fact, a Star Trek Las Vegas this year, because, you know, Vegas is currently closed. Uh, but uh, Kelsey Grammer, you know, Captain uh, Bateson from the USS Bozeman himself will be there at the Star Trek Las Vegas. His first ever Star Trek uh, Star Trek convention appearance. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's big news. That is big news. And I, you know, I would go get my huh. picture taken with with uh, Captain Fraser. I would do that in a minute. So, when does Star Trek Las Vegas normally take place? Uh, August August five through nine this year. God, that is a hot time to, to be, be in Vegas. In but you know, Vegas. the good news is, is you get inside the hotel, and it's like you never have to go outside. You just make sure you stay you know, at the hotel because they where the convention is. Yeah. What, it, what, what I find interesting about Star Trek Las Vegas is that it returns to Vegas every year. Every year. You know, it's a creation entertainment uh, event. Yet they still haven't figured out what to do with that Star Trek uh, experience. Like, I'm assuming that stuff is either all in mothballs or pretty, has pretty much all been destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and most likely destroyed, right? Except maybe some of the props. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I, it blows my mind because, you know, I have never been to Star Trek Las Vegas, but I certainly listen to podcasts of people who have been. And, you know, the, 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 the uh, convention hotel does nothing to theme the experience. I mean, they'll tell you, hey, you know, it's going to be a groovy time at uh, Quark's Bar tonight. But they don't have Quark's Bar-themed drinks or food. It's mm. just their regular menu at, quote, Quark's Bar. Oh, you okay. Know, That's kind I, of a bummer. Like you would think that they 
certainly invest in it just like uh for when i go to star wars celebration lots of places really kind of to go all in and you have big banners on the outside right. of the convention centers and stuff do they have similar like banners think, and stuff i think they do have like they, they do the banners and there are certainly you know some props around for people to you know have some mm-hmm. instagram moments with but what i find amazing is i mean it's a five-day freaking convention yeah. You know, that's a lot of time to have, you know, people cruising there, you know, in their cosplay and whatnot for, for Star Trek and not to have provided a more in-depth experience than they do. Yeah. No, I see your point. And particularly sad when you used to have that wonderful Star Trek experience over at the Hilton. I loved that thing. I yes, loved the Star Trek experience. And, you know, why there is not a place like that. And that's one of the things that I hope with the resurgence of the popularity of Star Trek, that we will get another Star Trek experience somewhere out there. You know, I, I, I would I would really dig that. Well, and tickets are still on sale. Um, in fact, I, actually, I don't think tickets are even on sale yet, other than the Gold Weekend package and the Captain's right. Chair ticket. Well, but and, the Gold Weekend know, package is thirteen hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, and that ha- the I, f- I have found that the Las Vegas Star Trek convention is rather cost prohibitive. I mean, you, you look at some of those packages. Like if, <laughs> well, if you unless you've it, been saving money for the next six months because there's nothing going on. Fair, fair. But, you know, mm-hmm. when you look at the VIP experiences that, that I know you and I enjoy at the comic book conventions, mm-hmm. I mean, wow, those uh, ticket prices are extreme. Plus, it, it all comes down to the fact that, boy, five days. Five days. That's a long time. <laughs> that is a lot, especially, you know, as, as people who went to Mission Los, or Mission New York, Star Trek Mission New York. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we, we pretty much walked through that convention floor in about 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a three-day convention. Um, now, don't get me wrong. We, we filled the time with panels, and, and there were quite a number of extra – curricular activities outside of the actual convention um you know in in the museums and the bars and things like that but uh i I just remember the show floor walking through and i'm like oh well and you know to do here the part of the problem with that is just how tightly controlled cbs uh, managed that floor you know that you were only going to have official cbs licensed product on the floor and that's not the fun of, of of those kinds of conventions i love seeing some of the homemade stuff. I love seeing stuff from, you know, long ago days, you know, stuff mm-hmm. that was made back in the seventies. And there just wasn't that, those kinds of guys who are like, Hey, here's the star Trek stuff from 1969, you know, uh, back when all of this stuff was so brand new, you didn't see that you saw new stuff. And while, yeah, yeah you know, uh, getting to, to play a demo of star Trek bridge commander was a hoot and a half. I also want to see the old stuff. Yeah, I agree. I mean, well, we had a good time. Uh, you oh, yeah, know. absolutely. And I have been dis- – I'll be honest with you. I've been disappointed that uh, Mission New York has not – only had the one show. Yeah, I think it and just it, wasn't financially viable. It was not no, crowded. I completely agree. But, you know, it's not – that. I don't believe that was a good test case of the viability of that convention because while certainly we were all anticipating Discovery at that time, we did not know that Discovery would be the success that it was. Well, and, and they had one panel about it in which they could not discuss any of it, and right. none of those people were on the creative team ultimately anyway. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, there was no real news delivered and uh, none of the stars were there because they hadn't revealed a lot of those guys yet. 
Uh, you know, so it, I don't think it was a good test scenario because I think if you did it today, it would be packed. You know, We'd go. I don't, yeah, fuck yeah, I'd go. That was a, I had a great time. I would absolutely. Well, that was because I was there. Mm. Mm. In spite mm. of me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. In <laughs> spite of you. But hey, Paul, there's other news, or at least there's one other bit of news. Oh. And that is that, uh, the first season of the Star Trek Discovery short treks is coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, and will be out uh, this June, I believe, and it's going to include all of your uh, all of your favorite short treks from the first season, plus a ton of extra features. You know, commentaries, discussions. Uh, there's one in here called "Coming of Age," you know, tied to the Runaway short with the first installment of the new Star Trek uh, short trek format. Uh, written by uh, executive producers Jenny Lumet and Alex Kurtzman. And they talk about Tilly finding the stowaway, uh, first contact Kaminar. There is, uh, you know, Covered in Mud, which is tied to the uh, escape artist short with, with Harry Mud. And they talk about that experience on both sides of the camera. Um, Ensign Spock's first day, Here Come Tribble's score. I mean, all kinds of good stuff in there. Um, that's going to be coming out, you know, in uh, in June. And, you know, I have not bought the uh, first season of Star Trek Discovery on Blu-ray, even though there's a bunch of extras there that aren't available uh, on CBS All Access, because I'm like, ah, I don't I don't need it. I don't need another Blu-ray of something that I can already stream. But boy, you know, they start adding in all these extra features. That's going to make it hard. It's going to make it hard, Paul. So do you think you're going to purchase it? No. No, I'm not. No, nay. <laughs> I'm going to uh, restrain and refrain until it goes on some some great big sale sometime. But uh, I, it, it makes it hard, you know, because I what I am particularly enjoying in Star Trek Picard are all these little production uh, shorts that they feature in Ready Room. And if they, I I feel like that was really missing from the Discovery experience in the first two seasons. And I wish that they had done some of that. You know, I wish that they had figured out how to promote their show in those first two seasons because I'm really getting a kick out of the uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff that we're seeing on Ready Room. I don't know if you're still watching Ready Room, but I, I get a kick out of it. I'm not. I'm not watching it at all. I forgot it was still a thing. Are they doing it with every episode? <laughs> every episode. Huh. Who knew? It's a whole companion series, Paul. Huh. With your friend Will Wheaton. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah, your friend. We have no love between us, me and Will. <laughs> well, Paul, you yes, know, sir. anytime I talk to you, I, I always think, you know, Paul is a, a broken a broken individual. And uh, I was reminded of that uh, this week in this week's episode of Star Trek Picard, Broken Pieces, in which we, we, we see demonstrated how broken these characters are. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've said that many times on this show that these guys are all sort of flawed, broken sort of characters. And, you know, I guess they heard us over there at, uh, you know, the Star Trek Corporation because they said, hey, let's Broken Pieces would be a good name for a show. Yeah, I, I'm I think sure, that's how that works. I'm sure that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, well, I mean, know, much like the captain of the, uh, the, sh- the ship, I have six distinct personalities. That's true. Well, you yeah, know, I'm curious, Paul, because, you know, you have shared with me in the past that you're not a big Captain Rios fan. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. And, you know, you you particularly are not a big fan of the different characters he plays. 
in the show, you know, the emergency navigational hologram, the emergency hospitality program, the emergency medical pro, uh, uh, medical hologram. You just you don't you don't care for those characters that he's playing. So there is a scene this week in Star Trek Picard in which Rafi assembles all of the various holograms to talk to them, and they're all on the screen at the same time. So it's the actor. Uh, playing uh, each of these characters off of each other and off of Rafi. Uh, and the whole time I was watching, I'm going, I wonder what Paul thinks of that. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I like the hologram versions of Rios more than I like the actual human version of Rios. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I have since, you know, I, I find them to have much more personality than the actual you know, Captain Rios himself. And so I've always enjoyed those. I actually do enjoy them. I, I think where I, what I would prefer though. Um, and I, I, I think I still feel that way, even after quite enjoying, uh, Santiago Cabrera's, uh, performance in this episode, you know, as the six distinct versions of Rios, I still think I would have rather, rather, and I know the scene that happened today in this week's episode could have only happened in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I still miss the the distinctness of unique characters um, in a crew, right? You know, I, and I understand the um, La Serena is a small ship, but I almost feel like I would have rather had six different characters, six different actors, um, even if it, even if they are six different holograms, all programmed by Rios. Uh, I, I just you know the, the crew feels so small. Um, in, in this show that uh, and and I think it goes back to our point last week and they're all relatively broken. So, you know, at least in, if you have more characters, you're going to find someone you like. Um, but I will say, you know, to your point, there, there is a scene in this week's episode where uh, Rafi uh, gets the five distinct holograms of, of Rios and because combined, they essentially make up one Rios and she's trying to dig into his past using those holograms. And that scene was actually, I thought very well done. And I thought Santiago Cabrera did a fantastic job in this week's episode, um, you know, and was able to show a range that he's not normally able to show in the show. Well, I, you know, I enjoyed that scene. I, I thought it was well done. And I'd also like to point out that your father also thought it was well done. And I quote from Mr. I Calabante. know, I know, but that's only because he's a Hispanic actor. <laughs> <laughs> he called it a tour de force, Paul. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'd say when you compare it to the previous seven episodes of the show, absolutely. Um, now, I, to be fair, I'm not familiar with the actor outside of uh, Picard, so I, you oh, know, I, but I do I have no, I have no, no familiarity with him at all outside of Picard. Yeah, apparently he was in Heroes and he was in Merlin, um, but I, you know, this show, this episode specific episode definitely showed range uh, yeah. for his acting capabilities. Agreed. Agreed. Well, you know, we, we, we sort of uh, jumped way ahead in uh, the details, but I wanted, I wanted to talk about that because, you know, I, the whole time I was watching, I was thinking of you going, huh, what are Paul's thinking about this extended time with Captain Rios. But, uh, you know, over there on that Borg cube, um, Elnor is hiding out from, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Rizzo. Right. Yes, that, that's her name. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Which seems seems like a name out of Greece. The you know the the musical. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like a uh, a Romulan name. Just saying. You know, I expect her to break into song at any moment. But we we you know Elnor's hiding out, 
And, uh, you know, he, things aren't looking good for Elnor. And, of course, you know, we, we join Elnor after we've seen a cold open of the, the, the Jadvash, uh, forming up, right? Where they are, uh, the, the, the big secret. You know, of why they hate sense is revealed. You know, they're, they're on this planet and they're accessing an alien artifact from possibly hundreds of thousands of years ago. And they're seeing what happened to this civilization because, because the civilization had allowed, uh, artificial intelligence to take hold, which brought forth an event which destroyed them, which is the vision of hell that we saw flashes of when Commodore O shared that uh, forced mind meld with Dr. Dr. Agnes Gerardi uh, last time. So, you know, it's all bad news. But, you know, Elnor, there he is, hanging out in the Borg Cube, hiding out from, from all the Romulans who are hot on his trail. In fact, he, they, a, a squad of uh, Romulans comes in and just starts wailing on him. They throw in a flashbang and blind him. But even blinded Elnor can kick ass. But in comes Seven of Nine, who shuts all of that down. She, you know, she takes out those Romulan guys and, you know, what does Elnor do but runs and hugs Seven of Nine because, you know, even as bad of an ass as Elnor is, he's still scared. He's still just, just a young guy. He's just a boy, all scared, right? Yeah. 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 And he has a very emotional moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of expect Seven to, you know, what the fuck are you doing? But she's like, okay. All right. Chill. Calm down. You know, uh, so, you know, Seven decides that, uh, you know, she's going to help, uh, Elnor. And, you know, of course she got there because, uh, she had previously, you know, at some other time given Hugh the little signal device for the, uh, Fenris Rangers. And Paul, we've talked before about how there are two unannounced Star Trek shows out there. You know, on all the wealth of Star Trek that's coming our way, there's still two that they haven't announced. And I think most of us are, are pretty convinced that one of them is going to be the Captain Pike show. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, you know, I've seen other websites say, you know, that's coming, but there has been no official announcement from CBS uh, about the about a possible Captain Pike show. What if that other one is a Fenris Rangers show, Paul? I think you could possibly have a uh, point there. I think it's it's very possible. I think they, you know, they're certainly name dropping them quite a bit. Yeah, and you know, I'm thinking about you know well, who who could be in a Fenris Ranger show, and I know that this isn't going to happen. I just know it's not going to happen. But in the back of my head, I'm like, well, you know, who'd be an awesome Fenris Ranger? Tom Riker. Remember Tom Riker, William Riker's uh, transporter clone from uh, Next Generation? Oh yeah. Who wound up working with the Maquis in Deep Space Nine and got uh, imprisoned on Cardassia, and we never saw or heard from him again? Mm-hmm. I could see Tom Riker being a uh, being a Fenris Ranger. Okay, I don't think okay. they'll do it, that. That's just but. because you want you want more Riker in your life after last week's episode. I always, I, you know, you you always need more Riker. Not fair. You know, you always need more Riker. But I'd love to see I'd love to see what they would do with a Tom Riker character. You know, twenty years removed. So I, 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 that was, that was high on my list of, I would really like to see that. So just saying, <laughs> but you know, seven activates that, uh, that, uh, queen's chamber. Right. And you know, she, she's you know, like, okay, what are we going to do? What are we gonna do? And she runs through a couple of different alternatives and she's like, well, you know, one of the things we can do is we can activate all these Borgs and, uh, 
you know, but that would require me to function as their queen, you know, and relink with the collective or with a localized collective. Cause she never says that she would hook back up with the big collective. She'd make a, a sort of solitary collective localized there on the cube all running through her. And that's a big decision for her because, you know, she would have to go back into that link and would lose her identity and possibly not want to come back. And she explains that to Elnor. Uh, and plus, she also doesn't want to be responsible for manipulating uh, the Borg because, you know, she would be robbing them of their free will, even though that they haven't been de-Borged. You know, they're not XBs just yet because they're still full-on Borgs in their uh, – uh, uh, stasis chambers, you know, in their regeneration chambers. And, you know, but th- there's no other thing to do because the Romulans are, are just gunning down XBs all over the cube, you know, because Rizzo has decided that, you know, it's time to cut their losses with all these uh, synthetics. Well, she does it. She, she links in to the, uh, to the Borg cube. You know, she's got the, uh, the, the multiple little uh, tubes and wires and whatnot that run up into her spine. And, I don't know about you, Paul, but but I kind of I kind of cheered when she when she announced in her echoey Borg voice, "We are Borg." <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of cheered about that. Yeah, it was a pretty sweet scene. So, meanwhile, you know, back on the uh, La Serena, um, you know, they're they're unpacking some stuff. So, you know, one of the things that they're having to address is, you know, Doctor Agnes Gerardi, uh probably killed Bruce Maddox, that she had been, uh, you know, had poisoned herself, or I'm sorry, not poisoned herself. She had taken the the, the edible tracking device that uh, uh, Commodore O gave her, allowing Narek to follow them, and, you know, then dropped herself into a coma uh, via a shot that would deactivate that tracker. And so there's some, there's some uh, things to unpack there with uh, Dr. Gerardi. And, you know, Picard seems, you know, noticeably concerned. And, uh, you know, Rafi's like, you know, look, I'm not going to tell you I told you so about this one, but I kind of told you so. So, you know, Rafi's kind of, you know, happy that, uh, you know, she was right about something. And we we get to see Rafi being very much the character we've heard about, you know, the one who's on, you know, sniffing out a, a, a conspiracy, sniffing out the mystery, uh, you know, solving the puzzle. I mean, she's, and you know, that brings us to the uh, sit down that she has with the multiple Rios holograms, because when Soji and Picard beam aboard, she notices that uh, Captain Rios has this really sort of out of body experience with her. It just seems really freaked out and, you know, makes the comment. He says, Hey, I'm going to drop you off at deep space 12 and then I'm done. I'm out. And then he goes and locks himself in his cabin and no one seems to be able to understand why he's doing that, but she gets some hints from the holograms. We find out that the holograms only have part of the story because Rios has deleted so much from their subroutines, you know, and, and, and from their databases. And so the hope is that you smush all these holograms together in one room. Maybe they'll be able to figure it out. And turns out that back in the day, and, you know, we all remember that, uh, on the USS Ibn Majid, uh, Captain Rios's final Starfleet, uh, assignment where he was the first officer um, you know, we had heard him say that he had seen his uh, former captain's head, you know, blasted across a bulkhead. 
but we didn't know what those circumstances were. Well, those circumstances were uh, two they, – they made first contact with two aliens, and one was a male named Beautiful Dreamer. Beautiful – I forget the name of the, of the character. It's Beautiful something or other. Um, and then a young woman with him named Jana. And Jana turns out to look exactly like Soji. Well, when he re- when the captain reports all this to Starfleet, Starfleet gives him a kill order: kill both of the 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 uh, you know the visiting aliens, you know the the two synths that are there. Uh, and if you don't, we're going to kill everyone on your ship. That's the order he gets from Starfleet. And so you know the captain, who is otherwise a good man, we learn, comes in, shoots both of them dead, uh, which is you know. Uh, understandably, Rios is concerned that the you know, same girl that he saw murdered by his captain is right there on his ship, and you know a little freaked out by that. But uh, his captain can't live with it, and shortly thereafter, blows his own head off. So he he, he suicides. Um, so you know you can understand how that might disturb uh, Captain Rios. Now, Paul, did you did you see there in his little memory box that he has of uh, his former captain? That uh, you know, it's a, there's a picture of Rios and his former captain. Yes. Did you notice that that's Mike Pence? That his former captain was Mike Pence. <laughs> did you notice that? I, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, huh, that's interesting. So at some point, after having been the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence goes and becomes a Starfleet captain. Well, he also lives to be 400 years old. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he's some kind of alien too. Uh-huh. You know, one of those long-lived aliens you know, from Indiana. That happens all the time. <laughs> it's a thing. Look it up. <laughs> Google it. So we have solved that mystery, right? Of of what happened with you know Captain Rios and, and his uh, and his former uh, commander, and you know it tells that story of, of why he's broken. We've known that Rios was was broken, but now we know why. Well, meanwhile, Soji meets Doctor Gerardi. Dr. Gerardi, who murdered Bruce Maddox because, uh, you know, of what she what what had been communicated her to her by Commodore O. Commodore O. And I don't I can't recall if we hear this in the show or if it was something that was shared elsewhere. Um, but it's revealed. And I think it was outside the show that Commodore O is half Vulcan, half Romulan. Which would explain how a Romulan would have the, the abilities of a Vulcan mind meld, right? Um, mm-hmm. But she, you know, she forced that that mind meld on uh, on Doctor Gerardi, not not unlike the forced mind meld that Spock does on uh, his protege in in Star Trek Six. You know, it's it's not a my mind to your mind, my thoughts to your thoughts. It's I'm putting some of my mind in you. You know, it's 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 like a like a rape, right? Um, you know, hashtag me too, hashtag Spock. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, this thing that Commodore O has put in Gerardi's head has really fucked up Gerardi, you know, that it, it forced her to a situation where she had to kill Bruce Maddox. It forced her to keep it quiet. There was some, you know, Gerardi says, and this isn't really challenged. And so I'm, I don't know how much of that I buy, but you know, she says that there was a psychic block in place, uh, keeping her from talking about what had happened with her and Commodore O. Um, so I, it felt like there should have been more conversation about that because what if she still has an active psychic block and there's other bad news coming? 
uh, seems like somebody should be working on that. Um, but she meets Soji. And oh, but let me stop. She reveals everything we find out about, uh, you know, in the cold open about the Jadvash and what they know about synthetic life in this ancient culture and how they, while they're seeing it as the past, while it is, it is experienced as the past, they're seeing it as the future that if this could happen to this society, it will happen to our society. And thus we must destroy all synthetic, uh, artificial intelligence, not just in our own culture, but in everyone's cultures, you know, so they see themselves very much as sort of galactic, protectors even though they're you know low down dirty bastards um you know they 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 use the uh the the whole dirty tricks campaigns uh in from a place of we're doing we're doing good by doing bad right um so gerardi shares that you know later on but you know she has this initial meeting with soji and soji's like so do you want to kill me and the whole time gerardi is like oh my god you're amazing you're a work of art. Those three moles there, that's art. You're, you're, you know, you are a, a beautiful inspired creation. And, you know, Soji reveals like, yeah, you know, I've got a, I got a crooked pinky toe. And she's like, oh my God, you've got, I mean, I, I kept expecting her to peel the boots off of Soji so she could see her crooked pinky toe, you know, I, she, cause she was very much looking at her like someone might look at the Venus de Milo, that, that it's just such an awe inspiring piece of art. And then it's this, you know, Soji is the embodiment of that uh, that craft, that inspired creation that Soji's been chasing her whole life, and that's now been marred by uh, Commodore O. So Soji is completely won over, and it appears that she has overcome whatever psychic blocks are there. You know, and she's like, you know, reformed murderer, you know, not going to do it again, I promise. <laughs> you know, as she comes out to talk to the rest of the crew. And we had this meeting around the uh, picnic table there on the La Serena that, you know, hey, let's all talk about, uh, you know, everything that's happened. And everyone's kind of sharing their notes. You know, we find out from Rios his story. We find out from Soji her story. We find out from uh, Agnes Gerardi her story. And all of these people just as broken as they can possibly be. meanwhile back on the borg ship seven's the borg queen and she's about to activate all these borg you know we left them saying we are borg and she's about to send all these borgs and there's still tons of them despite the fact that they are on a daily basis daily basis deborging these borg drones she's there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these borg drones that are still completely borged up and she's about to launch them, and Rizzo launches them all off into space in a whirling, you know, swarm of spaced Borg drones. I mean, it was painful to hear, you know, Seven as the Borg Queen, you know, scream, "No!" I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty rough. So uh, I forget. To remind me, Paul. How did the? Uh, how did they wrest control? Oh, the, uh, the there were still some XBs that hadn't been shot down. That's right. Uh, some of the XBs swarm Rizzo, you know, because she's been going around the ship just shooting them all down. And, uh, you know, they, they, they get her aides and, uh, you know, wrestle her to the ground. And as they're about to uh, – they, they take her into custody, don't they? She doesn't get to beam off. Because all of her ships, she's amassed her little Romulan fleet to go follow Narek. And all those guys zip out, and Rizzo gets taken into custody. Right, 
Paul. Did I lose you? And just to help you out here, Aaron. Sorry, I was uh, I was muted. No wonder you couldn't hear anything okay. I was saying. Um, <laughs> so I, I know you're struggling by calling her Rizzo, but that is her uh-huh. fake name. Um, is Lieutenant Rizzo. Her real name is Narissa, just like Narek, Narek and Narissa. Oh, so yeah. If, if her, it feels her, better her, to refer to her by her, her Romulan yeah. name. It's her Federation name. Yeah, I got it's you. her Federation name. Yep. Thank you. I but yes, they it. take her into custody. And, uh, but yeah, she is, he, she is, they, she is jettisoned in the, you know, the, the Borg into space and send, and then sending a fleet to Soji's planet where, where everyone is headed. Everyone is, you know, everything is culminating yeah. in Soji's planet because then we head back to the Lost Arena. Well, hold on. We're not at the Lost Arena yet. Yeah, so you know, seven. You know, there's a moment where Elnor, you know, the ship is the ship is theirs now. She is now fully taken over the Borg cube, and you know, Elnor looks during his. So, do you are you going to assimilate me now? <laughs> and uh, she, you know, she detaches, saying that Annika has more work to do. You know, Annika being her uh, pre-Borg name. Uh, so, you know. I'm going to imagine that things are going to end poorly for uh, Narissa, a.k.a. Rizzo, uh, in next week's episode because, you know, she she killed Hugh. She killed all those XBs. She murdered, you know, several hundred, if not thousands of uh, Borg drones. I don't see things ending well for her, for Rizzo. No, next no she's a bitch. She, she, she ain't great. Yeah. She, Bitch got to die. But I also see, you know, the Romulans are all on their way. I am pretty sure that that Borg cube is going to follow them along because I don't know if you noticed all that, Paul, but there was a whole lot of uh, work being done once uh, Seven took over to repair that. I did uh, catch up. The Borg cube is, is kind of reforming, reshaping, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's a fully functional board cube. Yeah, so I think we're, you know we've got two episodes coming where we will see everything culminate on uh, the planet that, and I don't recall the name of the planet. Um, maybe does it even have a name? I think it does, and I don't recall it either. Uh, we are a spectacularly bad Star Trek podcast. I, no, we're the best uh, Star Trek podcast, really. <laughs> But, you know, at the end of all of that, the La Serena is approaching the end of the uh, Borg transwarp conduit where uh, where uh, they are about to emerge on uh, to Soji's homeworld where the, the androids are made. And uh, we see as they're exiting the transwarp conduit that Narek's ship comes poking out right after him. So they hadn't shaken Narek after all. And I would like to say. I think one of the things that is problematic about the special effects, and I've got very few things to complain about on this show, um, but one of the things that that is problematic is the sense of space between these two ships, between La Serena and Narek's ship. So, you know, in the previous episode, or actually at the beginning of this episode, no, it's previous episode, where uh, uh, Narek is following the La Serena, it looks like he's right behind them, like, you know. 10 feet behind them. I mean, it, it looks like there is not a lot of space, but it, I they, noticed they're that not too. even practicing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, they're not even practicing social distancing that if somebody <laughs> looked out the back window, they would have seen Narek and go, Whoa, 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 get your coronavirus away from me. You dirty, dirty Romulan. But, uh, in this episode, I mean, you know, La Serena goes out and I mean, and immediately right there, <laughs> you know, there's, there's Narek. And I'm like, I really wish that they had figured out a different way to shoot that because it doesn't help me buy into the fact that Narek is effectively uh, avoiding them. Well, and you know that he, 
I think one of my questions in, in regards to that scene, yeah, and, and I totally agree with you because I noticed in the previous episode, I mean, he's not even trying. Um, yes, he was cloaked in this one, but, uh, you know, he, he uncloaked before hopping, you know, uh, behind them. You know, I, I the question that was left outstanding to me is, did he re-find them? Or was, right. you know, is, is there another traitor in the crew? Or, you know, perhaps um, what Gerardi did was not enough to, to take it out. Like, you know, I think that I'm, I'm curious because I, I, what I, one of the things, and I, I, I am enjoying the show for the most part, but one of the things I struggle with in this show is the number of plot holes and random coincidences that were just left to say, okay, right. Uh, you know, space is big. Did he randomly right. find them again or did he, you know, like how now, did he find them? I, yeah. And I'm inclined to believe that he can't just randomly find them. I mean, he would have had to have found them before they hopped into the transwarp conduit. Right. And would have had to have stayed out of their sight that entire time. And what I, what I, what I wonder is, yes, Gerardi was able to uh, neutralize the tracking agent that she had uh, consumed. Is there a, a secondary tracking agent that either she's aware of or not aware of? You know, so is Gerardi still a bad person? Is Gerardi still working for Commodore O? Or to your point, is there another traitor on board? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I Gerardi seemed very genuine in her apologies to Soji uh, this episode. But, you know, there have been other times where she seemed genuine, <laughs> you know, uh, where you're like, oh, you know, this is bad news. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. But I'm sure that will all be revealed in the next two episodes, Paul. Yeah. So we have a two-parter coming up at in Arcadia Ego, uh, parts one and two. Um, mm. You know, so March 19th is the first of the two-parter. March 26th is the season finale. And with any luck, we'll see Riker come in and save the day at the last second. <clears throat> That's right. Riker, or, or, not Tom or, Riker. Yeah, but, but, uh, but I was going to say, which Riker, Paul? <laughs> you got you to know which Riker you're talking about. The only Riker and we acknowledge know, does, anymore. <laughs> does Seven call in the rest of the Fenris Rangers to come in and whoop ass? And do we get some secret reveals on who the other Fenris Rangers are? That would be interesting. If the Fenris Rangers are characters that we know, perhaps some Voyager characters, perhaps she's working with some folks from that crew in in a Ranger capacity. Yeah, I mean, I could certainly see a uh, a Kira Norris working as a Fenris Ranger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, we'll what if we out. found out that what, the Bajor system was close and all of that? You know, you never know. You never know. You never know. Because, you know, those those uh, Star Trek maps are always changing. You never know where anything yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, space is big, but it doesn't really matter. Space is big. Yeah. Space is big, but strangely small at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, I really got a kick out of this episode. I liked it a lot. And, uh, you know, I was glad that your dad liked it, too. <laughs> yeah, my dad enjoyed it. Uh, and, and I did, too. I enjoyed this episode, and I'm looking forward to the two-parter. Uh, and we are very curious to hear your thoughts on uh, the season so far of Picard, the episode. Episode 8, Broken Pieces, or what you're looking forward to in the two-part season finale that I'm not going to try to pronounce again because it's in Latin. <laughs> um, Did you fail Latin in, in uh, high I never even took Latin in high school. Um, so uh, we, we uh, you can hit us up on any of our social media channels, Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or we have an Geek hotline. 
We do. It's 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Hey, Paul. You know, I uh, I had a moment this weekend when I was off at the uh, cigar festival that I attended where I actually had two different people talk to me about our uh, podcast. And- what? And let me let me just tell you, that was super cool. Now, one of the guys I know, I just didn't know that he uh, he uh, uh, was also a, a follower of our of our site. But the other guy I did not know at all. And he's he's like, hey, yeah, I love your site. And he's he's telling his friend, he's telling his friend how much he loves the site. And and, you know, I asked him, I'm like, uh, well, what part of the site do you do you you know experience? Do you you know is it the you know Instagram? Is you know what is it? And he he says, oh man, it's everything. You know the website, your podcast, the uh, Instagram feeds, the YouTube. And I had this moment, Paul, and I'm like, he's gonna call me Polly. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna call me Paul, and he didn't. He didn't. I mean, he may have thought I was you, Paul, but he never said the name. And so I get to live with the fact that that I think he thought he was no, me, that not, I was me. Oh, because I have so, pictures of I, me on the, I've got the YouTube. People know me. Um, yeah. They, they yeah. know you're not me. That, How about that? And if they don't, the, well, the whole shit. time, the whole time I was going, he's going to, <laughs> well, uh, but, he, but he was telling his friend, he's like, you got to listen. These guys are great. We are great. We are great. We're pretty yeah. cool. We're the, we're the best Star Trek podcast out there. And simultaneously the worst somehow. <laughs> All at the same time. (laughs) Just like space being big and small. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by... Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers. Conveniently located on the promenade. He's going to call me Paul. He's going to call me Paul.